You are now listening to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. Wait, the answer was add 10 gallons? Add 10 gallons. My first thought was we got to put active on Yeah, great. Trucks on the way. On the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've got two observations, uh, neither of which are really educated or well thought out. <laughs> which are like most of my observations are. There aren't a lot of problems on a job site that can't be solved with a sack full of biscuits. Today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast is brought to you by Actigel 208. Actigel 208 is a high-performance additive for the concrete industry that is greatly beneficial to the producer. It enables them to increase the percentage of manufactured sand by up to 100% and completely replace all the natural sand in the mix. In areas where natural sand is scarce, inconsistent, and expensive, this provides a huge benefit to any ready-mix company out there. Benefits of manufactured sand and concrete include consistent air content, improved compaction, and increased density. Now in the past, the downside of using manufactured sands was that they were hard to pump, hard to place, and hard to finish. Well, Actigel 208 solves all those issues. By improving suspension, stability, and the quality of the cement paste in the mix, Actigel overcomes the old issues with manufactured sand and leaves them behind. Let Actigel 208 improve the quality of your mix while saving money on every yard you produce. For more information, visit us at actigel.com. That's A-C-T-I-G-E-L dot com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. This is episode 23, and I'm Josh, joined as always with Paul and Joey. Paul, what's up? Be doing better if my college football bets had panned out. <laughs> Paul's looking for a place to live, preferably rent-free, as uh, he has sold off his assets. <laughs> I am now a hobo sapien. <laughs> no, I'm a Tennessee fan. I do horrible Joey, every week. are you doing better than Paul? Come on. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah, yeah tennessee with their fourth quarter collapse what about it yeah that would have been a nice win for yeah, y'all you yeah, were I'm beating pit the happens. entire time you lost to a team whose quarterback was wearing <laughs> wide receiver gloves on both hands i didn't see this <laughs> It was, I was like, what is this guy? I thought he was like a receiver. Yeah, oh, boy, like where's a glove? To throw the glove? What is he, Kurt Warner? Both hands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Elephant in the room. I'm a genius. What's uh? What was that movie with Matthew McConaughey where he was like the sports betting prophet? Two for the money. Yeah. So come to find out <laughs> that movie was based on a true story <laughs> upon my life. <laughs> Dude, you're the only person I knew who was screaming Arkansas. Is they going to win outright? And man, yeah. not that they just win outright. They dominated, whooped them. <laughs> it wasn't even close. I watched most of that game. It wasn't even close at all ever. Yeah, clearly the better team on the football field. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's listening along, <laughs> who is a college football fan, and we hope you all are, because we talk college football a good bit. Um, and if you haven't discovered the SEC Shorts uh, YouTube channel, you should do so. They they put on a pretty nice skit about how Texas <laughs> it was is one of their best sending ones. their application to the SEC. <laughs> Yeah, after getting throttled by a very mid-tier SEC school. Phenomenal way to start the year. But anyway, moving on into the world of concrete, we do have a a really good guest for you guys. 
we have Jason Adams on from Megaslab. Uh, Megaslab is uh, a super cool concept, idea, product, but it's very unique in the world of concrete in that they work with ready-mix providers and local materials mixed with their own proprietary elements that they put into the mix design, and it completely changes the way you pour, place, and, and even look at concrete. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Jason about that. Um, but in the meantime, we can get into what else is happening in the world of concrete. And, and we talk about this all the time, that you can literally, literally put anything in concrete. And Joey Bell is back again to reassure us and reaffirm that position. Oh, yeah. Joey, so apparently you can put pesky old red coats in over concrete. in England. Tell us about They're it. doing some studies on uh, making concrete on Mars. And as we all know, water is pretty scarce up there. And it costs a lot of money to send building materials to Mars. And this was pretty interesting. Guess how much it, it costs to send one brick, like one standard red brick. How much does it cost to send one of those to Mars? Ten million. Uh, you're getting okay. That's a little. That's a little extravagant. But yeah, two million dollars to ship. <laughs> <laughs> he took the win. <laughs> He was riding too high on the Arkansas wind. No, I actually, ten million dollars. <laughs> How much are you gonna pay Sam Pittman? Ten million dollars. That's where his brain's at. So. Yeah, it tells you how much uh, how much shipping has gone up these days. <laughs> Cost you two million dollars. <laughs> Cost you two million dollars to send one brick to Mars. But they made this product called Astrocrete, and like Josh said, it uses blood. Uh, they tested this with they called it synthetic regolith, if I'm pronouncing that right. And the regolith is what they call soil on Mars and the soil on the Moon. So they use uh, they mix blood and this uh, this soil. And it works because of what they call human serum albumin, which is a protein in plasma. And this protein curdles when it dehydrates. And when it does that, it creates a super strong bonding agent. So basically when you mix, when you mix human blood and this Martian dust, you get concrete. It gets even stronger when you add human urea, which is <laughs> urea is found in sweat, tears, and urine. It increases the strength of this astrocrete by 300%. So you get your blood concrete and you pee in it, you shoot your strengths up high. This astrocrete, <laughs> this astrocrete can be used for 3D printing. Uh, if they build it on Mars, it would mainly be used to keep out the radiation, you know, on the Martian surface and uh, also the keep the dust storms out that happened up there all the time. The science behind this really isn't that new. The Chinese and the Romans used to use ox blood and pig blood to make concrete or a concrete similar material. So it's not anything new. They just don't care if they use human blood anymore, I guess. Instead of using livestock blood, they'll just use human blood, which makes total sense, right? Yeah. Um, they estimate that one astronaut could give enough blood to make a standard brick in a month, and that's assuming that they donate two liters of blood per week. So it's pretty wild. I don't really don't know. Eight liters of blood makes one brick. Yep. In a month. This is why we got to be careful about giving money to universities. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, when I first found this article and I started reading it, I was thinking in the back of my head, okay, when we start reading this, 
when we record, I'm going to need Paul's best Alex Jones impersonation about farming, <laughs> about farming blood to make building materials on Mars. You think China don't know about this? Wait until the Martians find out. <laughs> That's when you're in trouble. The biggest soundbite so far is Paul being very cool, calm, and collected, saying, "This is why we got to be careful when we fund research <laughs> at universities." <laughs> it's a great, it's a great point. You can never scale that economically. No. Like, <laughs> one person makes a brick per month. Well, and that's why generally there's a complete disconnect between what's financially reasonable. And then what's possible. And the academics have no bearing on what's financially feasible. So, yeah, it takes all this blood uh, from one person in a month to make one brick. They said they could stretch this material further if they just use it as a mortar between sandbags. So if you're building, like, sandbag, you know, huts or whatever on Mars, instead of making a bunch of bricks, you just use it as mortar. So I guess they are looking ahead, you know, a little bit. So, uh they said six astronauts on a two-year mission could produce 500 kilograms of building materials in that amount of time. So I guess you could make like a super sack of uh, a building material, of mortar. They had another idea while, while, we, while they were knee-deep in all this. Uh, their idea was to use dust, urine, feces, and blood to, to create, and they said this, to create quote-unquote crappier versions of metal tools. <laughs> Actually, so I read. I can appreciate a good sense of humor. <laughs> I read this article that Joey sent. This is from like the Global Canadian News or something. And whoever wrote this was like a 24 year old guy <laughs> who was laughing the whole time he was writing it because there were so many like puns like that really? throughout the whole yeah. article. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't take this seriously either. I was like, this is great. Okay, I'm yeah. glad whoever wrote this realized this is ridiculous. We need the Babylon Bee to get a hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> but this would go in the not the bee section. Yeah. They really wanted mm-hmm. Alex Jones was right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, even though no one wants to follow up Joey's amazing article, you're, you're going to have to. Here's what you got. <laughs> Uh, found an article on uh, constructiondive.com. Contractors find new ways to cope with elevated lumber prices. But that's not true. This, uh, there's a most misleading headline. Okay. Time. In fact, not only are they not coping with elevated lumber prices, but things are only getting worse <laughs> because <laughs> the uh, price of labor is up. Right. Now, we're, most of us here are aware that lumber literally tripled. And the good news is, is it's down about 30% from that tripled number. So now they're about double what it was pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Still pretty dang high that lumber's twice what it was before COVID hit. Um, but like with all the delays and stuff, there there was like two-month lead times on lumber. And now it's down to like one-week lead times. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to get that back to like whenever you want it, you can have it kind of stuff. But hey, I'll take a week over two months, right? The problem is that even though your procurement cycle has gotten better, there's rising labor costs, and, I mean, it's just absolutely insane. The unemployment rate in the construction industry is actually below 5%, which is better than almost any industry out there. The national average is, what, 7 8% unemployment Mm -hmm. right now? I think it's 8%, and construction is in the fours. So it's doing good. Problem is, to get those people in, you're paying them. And to get them to stay, you're paying them 
and we've been through the governmental programs that are keeping the low-end talent, trying to keep them at home. But construction said, nah, we got to we gotta make this stuff. Need so, bodies. Yep, got to have bodies. And good bodies are really costing. So right now the cost of labor is so through the roof that it doesn't even matter that lumber prices come down. Uh, a lot of these projects are getting bumped into 2022 because they're like, not going to make any money. Right. So we're just going to cancel the whole project. And that makes me angry. Indeed. Well, didn't we kind of fear that something like that was going to happen? A year ago, the delayed in projects that we're talking about was from coronavirus, just people being sick, and the governments were shutting everything down. People not being able to work. Yeah, the planning phase that we is kind of what we thought. I remember us talking about that. Like people aren't in the office, you know, pooling together and meeting and brainstorming about these projects. Everybody's at home by themselves. And we thought that that may have been the cause of the delay or one of the causes. Right. Well, and, and even the uncertainty of whether or not you'd be able to get on the job site and, and gain permits and break ground and all that other stuff, the uncertainty was enough to push the projects back. But Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the owners of these projects, for the most part, have been accepting the higher costs. They're yeah. like, yeah, I want my warehouse. Go ahead. Yeah, I want my shopping yeah. center. Yeah, I want my residential home. Um, but at a certain point, they've got to push back, too. And that's what we're seeing here is that the rise in labor is so extreme that people are just having to cancel projects. And it's a self-inflicted economic wound. And I desperately Mm -hmm. hope that our country can pull out of that and we'll start building back better. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Well played. Well played. That's maddening. (laughs) unreal i wonder if those projects if these smaller companies like the mom and pop you know driveway crews or whatever i wonder if they're not pushing projects back but if they're just shutting down or what how they're handling things versus some of these bigger guys some of these bigger guys can probably afford to just push a project but some of these other smaller you know contractors or whatever i wonder how hard of a time that they're having I hadn't really hadn't really heard, you know, from anywhere else in the industry, from some of our ready mix customers, but uh, I can't imagine that's easy for those guys. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, some guys that we're working with right now, they've got portable plants. They're not even running because they can't find enough help to run. Now they can't make a crew to run the plant. Right. I mean, it's just that's insane to me mm-hmm. that you just got plants sitting idle because you yeah. can't get a crew together mm-hmm. to run it that blows my well, mind and what's crazy too i'm working with guys with portable plants and the job site there's three job sites that's within they are within um anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes drive time between the three and i've been on all three of these job sites at different times of the day and the week and you see like the same four guys at every job site you, I mean, you got there's a there's a guy that's driven a truck at all three job sites. There's a guy that runs the plant at all three job sites. They share mechanics. They share. I mean, you you got probably mm-hmm. five or six guys that I've seen at all three job sites, and they just bounce around where they're needed because, to your point, they can't staff a full crew. Well, that's exactly what we used to do at the old job. There wasn't, but let's see, one, two, three, three of us main plant guys and our boss who was kind of in charge of, you know, all of concrete production. And then we may have another guy or two around the yard, you know, running a loader, 
uh, a couple other things, but it was a skeleton crew. And so what we would do is wherever we were needed, it was just like the traveling circus. We'd go to one plant that was up at McGuire Air Force Base for a week or half the week, and we'd split the week between that and Dover or go to Dulles for a week. Yeah. It was a, something different all the time, but it was our same crew of guys. But it's still, it's sad to see that, you know, Josh, like you were talking about, those plants are close together, and they all should be running mm-hmm. at the same time probably, but they've only got a handful of guys to run those plants. That's bad. Yeah, I mean, they're they're changing job sites every other day, much less every other week. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, phew, they got 60 hours in by Wednesday or Thursday. Yep. I remember being salary, getting your 40 in by Wednesday, working for free the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that hurts your mental psyche. Yeah. But, all right, boys. Well, <laughs> we didn't mean to throw a downer on this party too much. <laughs> but to bring it back and to put us all in better spirits, we have uh, we have Jason Adams, who's going to be on the line here, talking to us about Mega Slab, and he'll get into all of the uh, particular details about the company, how it was started, its origins. It's truly a passion project, and in my in my general assessment, it's a success story. It's a guy that stuck his neck out there, put his put his heart, soul, and wallet on the table. Uh, to build something that is actually beneficial to the industry, something that's super interesting, and he's going to tell us all about it. So without further ado, this is Jason Adams from Megaslab. Welcome into the program, the most requested guest we've ever had here on the podcast, Jason Adams of Megaslab. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. You know, all these requests we got from our friends and colleagues, other guests on the show, they they got us, they turned us on to you, right? So check out your website. Your uh, concrete technology looks utterly fascinating. Go and look you up on LinkedIn, you and some of your engineers, and it's just a free-for-all out there. I love to see these guys quite often go into war with some of these other engineers that look like they never stepped out of academia, and it is just an absolute treat. So, brother, you got to tell me, Where'd you come from? How'd this get started? And, and the Mega Slab story? Yeah, man. Uh, so let me start off by saying the most dangerous phrase in our language is we've always done it this way. And that is, that is you know, the underlying theme here at Mega Slab. Uh, we live it every day. We try to disrupt it every day. Um, and it, it's, it's a blast. We're having a really good time in, in concrete right now. It's a, it's a great time to be alive. Um, Amen, brother. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I go back over two decades in construction. Um, as you can see, kind of on the wall back there, that's uh, Southern Miss uh, Bachelor's of Science in Construction Engineering Technology. Prior to that, I was uh, had a mentor that was a civil engineer from from Alabama. Roll Tide, by the way. Roll Tide. <laughs> I like winners, man. So you know, <laughs> that's an easy one. That's an easy one. Um, you know, but. He's, he was a mentor to me. I was holding a grade rod for him in the field. We were doing surveying, perk tests, you know, all these different things. And I was really learning a lot. And he says, well, so what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I don't know. Uh, I, maybe something like this. And he was a professor at the time at a small community college. It was a civil engineering technology associate. And I went to that program and, and knocked it out in a year and a half. And he goes, okay. I said, what do I do next? And he goes, you need to go to Southern Miss and do their construction program. I said, okay. 
And I went there and knocked that out, uh, I think in three years, two and a half, and uh, went to work for Yates Construction uh, right out of school. Uh, they threw me on a $250 million condo project in Pensacola, which was utterly amazing. I think there was 100,000 cubic yards of concrete placed on that job alone. Um, so yeah, man, I, I mean, it was like drinking out of a fire hose. Um, and then uh, went to work for BL Harbor International, uh, went overseas and built a resort uh, in Aruba, uh, which was incredible. Uh, if you could imagine taking a 14-story post-tension structure and condo and disassembling it down to the nut and bolt, literally, and procuring that, putting it in containers and shipping it from all over the world to that island, and then unboxing that and building it with local labor, that's what we did. Utterly amazing. Uh, and I'll give a shout out to BL Harbert. I think uh, their, their motto is build anything anywhere, and it's, it's true. Probably one of the best builders in the world. Um, so I had that experience, you know, and, and, and I was on the general contracting side for about a decade and then really focused on concrete only in about 2008. Uh, great recession in Atlanta, uh, terrible time to be in construction. I think our unemployment rate was around 45% during the great recession. But I helped the company create a foundation division and we grew that division about 300% through the great recession from 08 to 12. And doing that, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about focusing on one trade. As a general contractor, you focus on all trades, uh, but I really got to focus on concrete and I learned a lot, um, still learn a lot every day. So yeah, from 08 to 12, helped that company and I started my own co concrete construction company in 2012. So I've been an entrepreneur since 2012. You know, we built you know, some, some boutique projects, uh, most notably in, in concrete would be the Stealth Sculpture. If you Google Stealth Sculpture, you'll see pictures of a 32 foot tall concrete sculpture that was built in Atlanta. We built that uh, with a brilliant architect and engineering firm uh, out of Atlanta. Um, and that's when my mind really started to kind of open about concrete material. Like what can we do different with concrete material? Because uh, you can imagine that sculpture, there was not a straight line on it anywhere. It twisted, it turned, it folded, and we were using an SCC mix at the time. And when we got to the very top of the sculpture, there was only an inch and a half gap to finish the last four foot lift. And I'll never forget this. We got this on video. If you go to YouTube and look up Stealth Sculpture, you'll see a video documenting all this. We had to build chutes to put the line pump in just to get the concrete to go in. And I was thinking, man, that's not going to go, but the aggregate was small enough and it was such a, a good flow, a good spread mix that it, it went in and it consolidated great and the sculpture looks incredible. So I'd encourage you, if you've ever been to Atlanta or you know, if you've ever been downtown, it's 15th Peachtree. You'll see the Promenade Building, which is an enormous uh, office building downtown. And in front of that sits the Stealth Sculpture. Uh, so it won some ACI awards and it really, like I said, it just really opened my mind and that was in 2015. Um, and around 2018 is when I just had uh, this inclination to just do something different. I had, I had to get out of the, the, the rat race. Um, being a concrete contractor is, is a difficult, uh, difficult trade. Uh, it, it is a rat race sometimes and you have to figure out ways to differentiate yourself. Uh, from the competition. 
So I, I knew, I didn't know all the answers, but I knew people that knew, that knew the answers. And that was really my general background, general contracting background kicking in. You know, I don't know all these different trades and how they come together, but I can bring the experts in their, in their field together and we can build something great together. And that's kind of the same mentality that I took. So uh, I reached out to a brilliant man by the name of Sylvester Schmidt. Uh, Sylvester uh, has forgotten more about concrete than a lot of people know. He's been in concrete construction for over five decades, if you can even imagine that. He's uh, in his mid-70s, uh, brilliant man, uh, German descent, but became a U.S. citizen in the 80s. He's a big, uh, big proponent of the concrete industry. He loves the industry. He loves helping people. I mean, you're talking about a man that was head of technical for Heidelberg Cement, you know, out of Germany. And that's, you just, you don't do those things unless you're, unless you're brilliant and a good leader. And he is. Um, so he's my chief technical officer. And I got to be honest, you know, at the very beginning, learning about cement hydration and all these different things that occur, it was utterly fascinating. But learning from him was like drinking out of a fire hose, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it was. But, you know, it was a, it was a very... Uh, interesting uh, time of my life and we've created something that's that's revolutionary and it's not just revolutionary for slabs we there's a lot of other applications we'll get into that uh, where it can be used no that's great and talk about like cement hydration and, and try to learn everything you can about c3s c2s what the gypsum's doing and how all those crystals formulate and what impacts all of that from you know temperature water cement ratio and everything else that goes on scms and everything else you know they gave joey and i 16 weeks to unpack that i can't imagine as a proprietor of a, of a company and when you're going in you're trying to say hey i want to redo this but you don't have 16 weeks to figure that out on the fly. You need to get a little bit faster than that. And, and that's why you hire somebody like your CTO, but he's trying to explain it to you. I can't, I can't imagine a guy taking 50 years and trying to cram it into your head in a week. <laughs> just... Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's what it felt like. And it, and it took, it took me uh, a few years, you know, to really start speaking the lingo and understanding things. And then Sylvester, I'll never forget it. We went to world of concrete this past one. And we were walking through and I was pointing out all the flaws in their brand new floor. <laughs> I got to say it, man. Uh, you know, and, and look, it, it's it, that's ordinary concrete for you. It wasn't the contractor's fault. It's it's just it's in a desert, you know, and that's what deserts do. They try to rapidly remove moisture from concrete. So but I was pointing all these things out and explaining it just as we were walking. And Sylvester looks over at me and he's like, Jason, you're now a concrete expert. And I've said, why? I don't know about that. Still learn something new every day, man. Uh, but yeah, incredibly blessed to have a guy like that in my life to really mentor me as I went down that rabbit hole of creating Mega Slab. And uh, wow, it's, it's been a heck of a ride. Uh, but I've also got, you know, an incredible team around me, just industry professionals that go back. I mean, if you added up all the experience, it's centuries of experience on the Megaslab team. This is this is a well well old machine with a lot of horsepower behind it. And I got to give out a shout out to my boy Tyler Lay. I'm wearing a shirt today. Here we are, brother. <laughs> um, but you know, Tyler's utterly brilliant. We all know that. We've seen his YouTube channel and what he does for the industry and the knowledge that he shares. 
Um, it's we're, we're just very fortunate to have him in the industry right now to just spark interest and get people loving concrete that may not have loved it before and in, in, in helping us. You know, I, I've learned a lot watching his videos. I, I try to watch every one of them. Uh, I probably haven't hit them all yet, um, but close. So, yeah. Yeah, we've watched several of his videos as well. Um, his Concrete Freaks brand is pretty great. Uh, he seems pretty great. We haven't met him yet. We actually really hope to have him on the podcast one day if, if he ever slows down and can <laughs> sit in one spot long enough to give us some of this. But his videos are very well done. So we encourage anybody to check out Dr. Tyler Lay, Oklahoma State University. Uh, his YouTube channel is full of knowledge uh, from the very basics of concrete up to the more advanced design and construction elements he doesn't hold back he doesn't pretend that you can't handle the information he's given out and it's pretty impressive to see a guy who can explain things in a concise way the way dr lay does and how is uh he related to mega slab at all can you tell us uh, what he helped you out with yeah um you know there's there's some things that um that I want to do and uh, I guess confirm, right? And what better way to do that than to reach out to one of the industry's best and say, can I get into your lab? You know, can we, can we run some tests? Uh, and he ignored me for probably six months, maybe even a year. <laughs> you know, just another guy trying to reach out to him and get his attention. Uh, but he finally did. Uh, I, I sent over something that really got his, got his attention. And he's like, all right, man, let's, let's, let's meet. Um, and the rest is kind of history, uh, but we've been working with him in his lab for uh, probably over two years now, and uh, it's, been, it's been phenomenal. It's been phenomenal. Uh, we've learned a lot. We've improved. The original invention hasn't changed. Uh, the steps and processes, it's just refinement. It's making things better. You know, I always strive to make it better. Um, I'm a guy that throws the kitchen sink in, you know. Uh, because on top of taking it to one of, the, one of the best to let him say, you've really got something here, I wanted to take it into the field and prove it there, okay? So I took it to the worst environment that I could find, and that was the heavy equipment steel track bulldozer dealership, the cat dealership. That's where Megaslap started, okay? And I'll never forget, if you haven't seen the video, no problem, it's been on YouTube for over a couple years now. But I took Megaslab to, to Texas, and I did a 6,000-square-foot sample for one of the largest dealers in Texas. And I'll never forget, um, we went back 11 days later, and I took us a, a buddy that had a drone, and he was a, you know amateur videographer, but very good at what he did. He really helped me get some videos you know, up, uploaded in the early days. And I said, I said to the owner, I said, what's the biggest bulldozer you have on site right now? And he goes, I think we got a D10. I said, okay, can you go grab it and bring it up to the slab? And he goes, yeah, what are you gonna do? I said, just go grab it. And he said, okay. So they drive up to the edge of the slab and they didn't drive on it yet. They were kind of afraid to. I said, go ahead and pull it up on the slab. And they said, okay. So they drove up to the middle of the slab and they said, what now? I said, I want you to zero turn it until I tell you to stop. And his jaw dropped and he said, we don't do that ever with any concrete. And this is 11 days old. I said, I know. 
but we've got to prove the concept. And when I leave here, you're going to do it anyways. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get this party started, right? Because I knew philosophically through lab testing, through different things that this had to work and I was willing to risk it. You know, he's like, okay, man. He's like, you're warranting this product. I said, zero turn it till I tell you to stop. And I think at that moment is when really Mega Slab gained some, some legs and it, and it gained my confidence because again, I didn't want to put something to the marketplace that I hadn't proven in the worst conditions I could find. And you can look that video up. It's an oldie, but a goodie. And we zero turned it. And I'm telling you, man, the surface was so hard. It was actually pulling the steel off the track. Oh my gosh. Well, hang on. Let's, let's take one step back. Let's tell people what mega slab is other than an engineered concrete formulation. Let, let's tell them what is mega slab. Mega Slab is a technology company for the second most used substance on the planet, which is concrete. And we aren't, we aren't just formulating mixed designs and engineering and nanotechnology and fibers. We're, we have a complete process of how to put these things together. Okay. And I like to say when somebody tries to nail me down to, you know, what's the secret sauce? I like to say that it's greater than the sum of its parts. Okay because every little thing in the system does something to help that concrete, whether it be designing the mix with a tarantula curve, whether it be keeping water cement ratio down, whether it be using a poslin that's available, type F, you know, slag, type C, F, uh, fly ash. You know, we do, we do all these things, but then we have a reactive nanoparticle and a fiber that goes into the mix. And then we have a topical spray uh, this reactive as well that that is our cure and curing of all concrete is critical we all know that mm -hmm. um, so we flood the surface with a with our cure and so every component from the from the ground all the way up is part of our system and that whole process no that's great and the other thing about the mega slab that for people that are listening to this the haven't seen it or never seen any of your videos, never seen your website. One of the things that's fascinating about this lab is it's joint free, or you've done a lot of projects that are joint free. And it, it's, it's fascinating when I've seen one video specifically that I saw on LinkedIn, uh, one of your engineers had posted, and he is like walking down what looks like a very wide sidewalk up against the side of a building. And he's just walking down with his, with it was probably his phone. And he's just like, wow, look at this. I mean, it was at least a thousand feet. It may have been further than a thousand feet. And it was at least eight feet wide, not a joint and the whole dang thing and it'd been down for a year it looked phenomenal it looked it looked great and of course all the nerds in the comments were like oh this can't be let me tell you why this didn't work like what are you talking about i'm looking at it on the video there's clearly <laughs> not a single crack in this thing so your system works and we understand how hard it is to bring a new technology into this field we get that i love that you have a holistic approach to it but what are the challenges that you get other than the naysayers on LinkedIn? Uh, what are some of the challenges you get when you approach the A&Es, you approach the project owners, and you try to sell them on this new uh, jointless technology? It's, it's difficult to not only you know, create a brand and brand recognition, 
but then get someone to take what they perceive as a risk. You know, I've, I've said it before, it, it's placing ordinary concrete with all of its bad behavior is way more risky than placing mega slab because we've always tried to manage around the bad behavior of ordinary concrete and it still behaves badly. We haven't fixed the material. So that's why I took it to all these really tough environments, steel track bulldozers. Uh, we, we've got 300,000 square feet installed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where on a good day it's 15% relative humidity. And we eliminated all the control joints out of 300,000 square feet. It's been down for a year and a half. It still works and the owner is elated. They say this is the hardest, most durable concrete we have ever seen. And they've been building their dealerships for over three decades. So I, what I'm trying to say, Paul, is in essence is these stories, when people keep hearing these stories, they get over this hump of, you know, it's a risk. It's not a risk. Ordinary concrete's a risk. We really try to go to the owner side of things and get the owner interested in our product because it's the end user that can realize the benefits of Megaslab. And as you know, some of the, some of the designers are really set in their ways. Mm -hmm. And some of the consultants are really set in their ways. And if it's not down for 30 years, they don't even want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and look, I mean, innovation will not happen at that pace. You and I will all be dead and gone, and my idea will still be sitting in a field somewhere as a test before somebody goes, you know, that was a really good idea. We should try that again. It lasted 30 years. So, you know, I like to point back to concrete. We've been using concrete for centuries, right? And there's still some good examples of it in place that still perform. We're not making concrete worse we're making it way better. I'm interested in the process a little bit, uh, Jason. So from what I gather and from what I've seen online and, and, and certain media that you've published, you guys go all over the place. So correct me if I'm wrong. What I gather is you're using local materials and a local provider, but then you're adding in your proprietary, uh, the nanotechnology, the topical spray, maybe some fibers and some other things. What how does that work, the dichotomy in using your proprietary products and your mix design, but then utilizing local materials and a local supplier? How does, how does that mesh together? Uh, that's a great question, Josh. Um, you know, Paul had mentioned earlier about jointless. And there are some, the, the previous ways of making uh, concrete jointless have caused some challenges with some local materials. Okay, but again, I go back to New Mexico as, as an example. New Mexico had a basalt rock, uh, which is a high absorption rate. Uh, sometimes it can show some ASR issues. Um, the sands aren't very clean. Okay, we worked with all those local materials and still eliminated uh, over six and a half miles of joints out of that pavement. So we are we are able to work with local materials. Um, we're, we're changing the chemistry of that entire package um, on the nanoscale. And, um, you know, back to the process, we are able to work with local ReadyMix producers. We typically work through what I call the AI network. It's an approved installer network. So we'll go work with a, a renowned 
concrete contractor that's established, you know, that, that's, that's done a great job for decades. We want to work with those folks. Um, and we empower those, for, those folks. Again, we're, we're a technology company. We don't touch concrete anymore, physically, as far as placing it or prepping it, all those things. You know, I've, I've been there. I've done it. It's a tough road. And I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm, I'm ready to move on and just help other contractors do, you know, and provide the best concrete we've ever seen. And that's, that's what we do. So we kind of work through the AI and we work through their ReadyMix producer to help them with the mix design and the mock-ups and the early testing. We do that on every project. We don't, we don't go to a job site ready to just put stuff in a, a truck that we don't know what the mix is and we haven't vetted out and you know, gone through a mock-up where we finish the concrete and see how it behaves and if there's any adjustments that we need to make. We do that on every single job. So it's pretty laborious, but, but it's a system that we've developed and it works. Uh, we're down in, I think, 12 states now. And I think we've worked with over 25 ReadyMix producers already. And we've had great success with all of them. One of our ReadyMix partners here in the Atlanta area is Thomas Concrete. And they, they've been phenomenal to work with. Justin Lazaby, John Cook, Matt Chapman. Uh, there, there's others that I'm forgetting the names. Ryan Chanley. Um, just great people. Uh, great human beings, really supportive of what we're doing. Um, you know, we've, we've done multiple projects with them in the Atlanta area, and they're always all hands on deck, and they want to be a part of it. So really appreciate them for what they've done uh, for the Megaslab brand. Uh, also, TEC, I think it's all now known as SGS or TCSGS, but those guys are great. Uh, we have spent a lot of time in their lab. Uh, over the past few years. Uh, Michael Lyon's been great. Trey McCants has been great. Sean, you know, Steve Maloof, all those guys. So they're just, they're just phenomenal. Isaiah, I got to give a shout out to my boy that slings the rock and gets things moving. He's always doing my, you know, plastic testing with spread and slump and all that stuff. So, you know, they're just great people. Uh, again, uh, I see a lot of great people in this industry and that's really, really encouraging for where we're heading. Yeah, we friends with all those guys too. Uh, love them. They did the same thing for us eight years ago, nine years ago, 10, man, it might be even 10 years ago now uh, with our product, Actigel. They were first in line to help us find out what we could do and what we couldn't do. And they helped us uh, all on the way and still do till this day. So yeah, good people. Excellent. Uh, one of the things that we've, we've really seen in, in the marketplace is a trend or a curiosity of using concrete in lieu of asphalt. Um, and there's some large e-commerce clients, uh, not to be named, but I'm sure you've got packages on your doorstep from them right now. Um, <laughs> you know, they, I think that they are starting to understand and see based on other e-commerce folks that have been in business for decades running those 18 wheelers, you know, prior to where they are now, and their issues with asphalt. And they're starting to see that, hey, maybe we can avoid this, right? Maybe we can have a concrete product um, that is more durable and longer lasting with less disruption because the disruption thing is big. When you start funneling those trucks into two, three lanes and you have an issue with a pavement, it's a bad day for that, for that facility. So concrete's really the choice. But concrete has always been thicker to manage the bad behavior, right? And, it, and that's driving up cost. 
What we've been able to do is we've been competitive with heavy-duty asphalt and upfront cost. And what we've been able to do is provide engineering and a product that has a 30-year life expectancy with like a 95% reliability, which is big, okay? And one of the things that we've also seen is if the site is a cut site and you have, uh, say, a 10-inch section of, of, of GAB and, say, a 6-inch section of asphalt on top. Okay, so you're talking 16 inches on that entire site. And let's say it's a half million square feet of pavement. What we've been able to do in a couple of these projects is reduce that 16 inches down to five inch mega slab. Okay, wow. we've been able to remove um, almost a foot of export over a half million square feet. You do the math on that. It's thousands of dump trucks eliminated. And we've been able to do this uh, for these clients. So you start taking those things into consideration and, and now Megaslab can be competitive, if not sometimes cheaper um, than, than heavy duty asphalt because of all those components. Uh, and, the, and I don't get any argument from anyone that concrete's gonna be more durable and longer lasting than asphalt before it needs to be milled and filled. No one argues that because we all know. So wanted to share that with you. Awesome. And, and what kind of equipment or capital do you guys bring to the job? Because as you're adding this nanotech and fibers and what have you, do you guys bring your own, uh, your own equipment to add to the, the batch line or the batch, batch process? And do you bring your own QC on, on job sites? We typically uh, recommend dosing at the job site. And like mo mobile units. Right. Yeah. Uh, all, the, all the products are... are shipped to the job site typically. And now if the job site's really small, it's postage stamp and we've done this before, then we'll set up at the ReadyMix uh, producer and we, we let them batch the load and then we take it from there. Mm. Uh, but it's means and methods. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, we've done conveyor belts, uh, we've done scissor lifts, we've done scaffolding. We kind of leave that up to the, to the AI to, to the contractor to really figure that out, what works best for them. So we talk a lot on this show about quality control. And so as part of a QA plan for typical concrete construction, there's a quality, or let's talk about ready-mix construction. Uh, so the producer has their own QC at different stages. So the materials that are coming in, the batching of the materials, the transportation of the load, and the discharging of the load and any treatment that happens along that chain of command. Um, so for you guys to try and take some control over that because you're a new engineered system here, do you have one of your own engineers on site to oversee some of this quality or is all of that left up to the AI? No, we are, we are involved and we like to be on all hands on deck mentality here. So not only do we help on the front end with the mix design and the mock-up and those types of things, but we're involved during the process as well. Um, so, and, and that's part of what we do. We're, we're, we're a quality control company as well. And, and I'm not going to say that we're on every single job because some of the AIs that have done Megaslab, you know, over and over again, they're, they're competent. They're very, they're very well trained and they follow all the, the steps and procedures. I like to say we didn't make a rocket ship. You know, it's uh, it's concrete, brother. You, you gotta 
we don't try to overcomplicate things. Uh, but, but the technology and the process are, is, is truly revolutionary in the way that it works with the ready-mix producer and the contractor. It is well-behaved concrete. We're not causing things to expand. We're not using expansive agents. We're not dealing with powders. You know, there, there's some, you know, from coming from a contractor, I wanted to be myself. I wanted to be able to handle things and put things in trucks and, and work with them and all those things. I'm not a finisher. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, from, from, a, from a mentality of how, how does this scale up? How easy is it to install and dose and work with? It's got to be all those things. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I, I think we've, we've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely, brother. Well, that's great for uh, future potential AIs to hear that. They may be listening to the show and they think, you know, I don't want these guys just to license their name and technology to me. And then they just drop it on my doorstep and I got to figure it out. But you're saying it's the exact opposite. Hey, we're going to help you on every project on the front end. And then if you need us, especially in the early going on, they probably do. Hey, we're going to be there. Hold your hand. We're going to walk with you every step of the way. We're not afraid to get dirty. And hey, by the way, we've done this, you know, combined for centuries. So we're going to put that experience and knowledge to use. So that's great to hear. But I tell you what was crazy to hear. What was crazy to hear was when I went to your website and it says you're going to reduce CO2 emissions by up to 50%. All right, we're calling you out. You're gonna have to explain that. I'd love to, man. I'd love to. Uh, let me let me put it this simply: when you make concrete stronger and more durable, you don't need as much of it. So we do most of that reduction comes by way of thinning the section, okay, and eliminating rebar. So when you combine those two, you can really knock out some CO2. But there's other instances where the, there's a more drastic change because of optimized engineering. So Robert Rodden's on the team, brilliant engineer, okay? And he looks at geotech reports, he looks at ESALs, he looks at truck counts, he looks at K-value, all these different things, right? And he'll come back to me, this, this happened recently, a job that we were looking at, over 800,000 square feet of exterior pavement that was designed on 10 inches of stone and 13 and a half inches of concrete pavement. Okay. That's a big, that's a thick section guys. So Robert comes back to me and he understands the mechanical properties of, of our concrete with our fibers and our C78 flexural and all these things compressive. And he comes back to me and goes, all right, so that job is going to be four inches of stone and a six inch mega slab. So <laughs> you want to go from two foot down to 10 inches of yes. overall Whoa. material. Right. We went from two foot of material down to 10 inches. Uh, but that's, that's what Robert Rodden brings to the table. I mean, if, if you go look him up on LinkedIn, if you, if you speak with him, his experience goes back to um, ACPA and pavement design and consulting. He's been doing this across the country. He's even been overseas uh, a lot. Uh, looking at different pavements uh, for Federal Highway, DOT, FAA. Um, so we've, we've got that pedigree on the team, and we're looking for that opportunity because it just makes sense. Why, why wouldn't we be able to solve that problem too? And, and Robert will get into more technical details, but I'll just tell you plainly that the mentality of throwing more concrete at the problem, make it thicker, 
you know, to try to combat curl and joint issues and, and all these other things, that's not the case anymore. It's, it's when, you, when you convert that rigid, porous sponge to something that's more dense than we've ever seen before, the material behaves completely different. And, and speaking of curl, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. I know this is an interior warehouse, it's not an exterior pavement, but we measured one of the mega slabs that was placed in Lawrenceville, Georgia, day of placement, and it was a super flat floor, and we have those numbers. We went back a year later and measured it again, and it was still the same number. We're not seeing curl. And wow. this panel was 166 feet by 130 feet. No joints. Okay, so it, it should curl, right? It should have some curl in it, and it didn't. And another, another indication of this is the sidewalk, Paul, that you were talking about earlier. You know, that sidewalk has a 48 to 1 aspect ratio, which is, you don't do that bananas. with concrete. Yeah, it's bananas. Yeah, it's 48 to 1 aspect ratio. It's been down for 13, over 13 months. No joints. It's four inches thick, and there's no cracks still. Wow. Yeah, that sidewalk is an incredible video to see. Just You think at some point, it keeps walking, it keeps walking. You're like, oh, I'm going to see some kind of defect. You know, a, a plastic shrinkage, something. We're going right. to see something. Uh, there's not a chip on the whole thing. It's right. incredible. Well, and uh, I mean, you mentioned sometimes joints are necessary, even with your even with your mega slab concrete. And I would imagine that has a lot to do with local materials and such things. And looking around on your website, it's interesting to me that you pride yourself on jointless concrete and things like that. But when you do have to put a joint in, you have one of the coolest joint systems I've ever seen in your, your mega joint. Now, is that a proprietary design that you guys designed yourself or is that something you promote or, and also how does it work? Yeah. So we do, we do joint mega slap from time to time. So for let's say pneumatic 18 wheeler traffic, um, to keep costs down, will provide saw cuts and mega slab, but it may be 50 to 75 feet between those. Right. Um, and sometimes those sections are only five inches thick. But we use that mega joint for like heavy equipment steel track clients because every control joint for them is their nemesis. You know, that, that control joint is going to be an issue for that dealer at some point, and they just keep opening and opening and opening. They keep getting wider. Every time that steel track hits it, it spalls it, and it never stops spalling, right? So we take those joints out. We've got a panel in New Mexico. Our largest panel is 150 by 150 outside in the desert with no control joints in it, okay? Wow. Um, but that joints, uh, we've, we've made some improvements to it. We've made some uh, design changes to it, and the vendor's been great to work with. They're out of Belgium. Um, that's the only component that's, that's made, um, not in the U S everything else is, is made in the U S proud of that, by the way. Very cool. Have you, have you managed to keep your supply lines, um, well or full from, from Belgium and importing materials and things like that? Have you been affected at all in the last year? Yeah. I mean, bringing things in containers right now is pretty tough, but like I said, you know, the majority of our components are, are made here. And we are not, we've had a very, I would say, um, very modest price increase since the pandemic versus all other materials because right. we've seen materials just skyrocket. And we've, we've had a, a slow, steady climb, but it hasn't been a big climb. 
And I think people are, are relieved when they call us back and say, hey, you bid this job to us three months ago. Like, you know, they're a little anxious. Like, what's the price now? And sometimes we don't have a price increase. Sometimes it's a slight increase. And uh, so they're pleasantly surprised with that. Um, and I can tell you this, uh, we're doing a project for a large e-commerce client. Uh, and they gave me very little notice. And it was almost like they were trying to say, hey, man, this thing's going to go too quick. You may want to wait for the next one so we can try you out. I said, nope, give us, give us a chance. And they said, okay. And they award us the job. And, and we have all products on site as of next week. And they're still three weeks out from us starting. So we actually beat them. Nice. So, awesome. you know, the lead times and the steel and, and all those things that you're hearing about, we don't have those issues. Um, you know, knock on wood, thank God. Um, but yeah, uh, we're, we're keeping up with pace. And, and really that's, again, going back to my background in general contracting, you cannot be slow. You have to react. You have to be able to execute. You know, you can't come up with an idea that you can't provide products and services to people in the field. It, it doesn't work. So we're, we're on top of things, man. I'm proud of that. That's great, man. Let's uh, talk about another piece of the puzzle here. Uh, you mentioned the nanotechnology in the slab. Can we expand on that without giving away IP? Yeah, man. Um, you know, the, the whole IP thing, you're, you're talking about a guy that has self-funded this entire idea. <laughs> that's you know, that's great <laughs> that is awesome man it's been tough brother and it, it especially especially attracting some of the best talent in concrete mm -hmm. you know I, I there's there's some there's some incredible people in our industry and and i'm proud to say that we employ some of them you know and um it hasn't been easy but what what in life is worth having that's it's easy, right? It's got to be tough, and it's got to be a grind. Yeah. Uh, it's not about monthly bread. It's about daily bread. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes. Well, there, I got a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. I mean, there's a lot of people in this world that don't know what it's like to wake up and not know where that next pot of money's coming from. It comes from you getting out there and earning it, and that's tough. And when you got people's families depending on the paychecks that you're providing them, you know, that that's stress that a lot of people just can't understand and so you celebrate those victories and we celebrate companies that can do that and provide those technologies and the fact that you sounds like you know you did it on your own you're not taking that outside investment i mean hats off man that's tough that's a grind thank you paul and, and that's that leads me up to to why i've been so protective over this idea um because I really think this was the missing link, if you will. I really feel like based on all the things that we've seen and all the things that we've already achieved, this process is truly revolutionary. So that's why I've been really quiet about how we do it. Because I look, people are gonna wanna try to rip me off and that and that's that's part of that's part of life, right? Uh, but I try to keep that at bay. But I, I can tell you that um, we have, again, it goes back to the team and the partnerships and the, and the vendors that, that I work with that, that have my back, that, that truly love what, what I'm doing with Megaslab and they want to support me and be a part of it. And I, I'm thankful for those people. Uh, but they're some of the most brilliant people, again, adding to my team, 
they're they're utterly brilliant and we've got chemists that can do things with nanoparticles that most other people can't do and even think about and we have access to those folks i talk to them weekly you know we can make adjustments to nanoparticles you know we're talking about particles that are thousands of times smaller than a human hair right and and we can change those and it's it, it's unbelievable what we can do so i'm working directly with those folks we're, we're not going through private labels and all this other stuff we we have them committed to helping us make the strongest and most durable concrete we've ever seen and you know to further that i would i would say that the romans would be envious of mega slap <laughs> oh my gosh what a great all right so we're cutting that out and we're putting that on instagram for sure yeah that is an amazing <laughs> quote thank you for that well the reason i'm interested in the nanotechnology and uh, we're not going to go further into it so don't don't worry about that yeah. um but the reason i'm interested in nanotechnology is because that's what the product that we represent is the nanotechnology so we're using it to solve problems in the construction industry as well. So to hear that someone else is also employing uh, nanotechnologies, I'm uh, just fascinated to hear about what you're doing. So it's great to see someone else in that side of the business incorporating that into concrete construction, solving problems for people. Yeah. But what other technology are you using right now or maybe under development at Megaslope? <laughs> well, there's, there's always things under development here, man. I mean... When you, when you got the pedigree of the folks on this team, there's ideas. You know, it goes back to that fire hose I was drinking out of when I first connected with Sylvester. And, you know, uh, but, you know, having Tyler's input, you know, Tyler Lay, having Robert Rodden's input, having Paul Williams or Cheryl Capelli, all these different people, you know, that are on the team that just have ideas to make it better. Uh, we don't, I don't turn that down. I don't, I'm not deaf. You know, I want to hear what, what they think, um, and, and we can develop that. Um, so I think I'm on patent application seven, number seven right now, and we're going to file more because we keep finding different processes and emerging technologies and a way to, to infuse them into concrete. So that's, that's what we're up to, man. There's, and, and the word nanotechnology gets used a lot, and for good reason. It, it's catchy, but there's a broad... I guess, type of various particles and sizes and what they can do and what they're made out of and how they're produced, all those things. So there's a, there's a big difference between maybe one person's nanotechnology and another's. But I feel like with the team that we have, just bringing all those minds together and, and constantly testing them in the lab, you know, and putting them in the field and pushing things, uh, to new boundaries that we've never seen before. I think that's what makes it fun for me. It's interesting to hear you say it, Jason. Um, I mean, ideas are great. Ideas are great, but they're even better when they come to fruition and actually make you money. Um, <laughs> and being surrounded by all the brains and all the great ideas that must be flying around on a daily basis, how hard is it to rein in those ideas and kind of develop a track to develop a product and a patent to where you can actually make some money off of it? Is that a daily struggle for you? <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, think you, I think you hit a sore spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not sore. It's just sore when you've self-funded it. And right. you're sitting here like, we need to be over there. We could do this. We could do that. 
I mean, God bless him, man. When when me and Sly started talking about all the things we could do with with Negaslab, oh man. But then you have to focus and you have to make money. To your point, you got to keep the lights on. You got to keep people paid, right? Yeah. So it just goes back to focusing on that heavy equipment cat dealership because, you know, we're down uh, for multiple dealerships in multiple states right now. And one of the incredible things is that network has introduced me to AIs. We have right. a, a, just for example, in Kansas right now, we're working with Jane Fahey. Jane Fahey is a large road builder in Kansas and they're putting down Megaslab and they're like, this stuff is amazing. So now I'm getting phone calls from, you know, their competitors. And I'm just like, hey, that's not what we're here to do. We're, we're here to help empower people. We are going to grow the network at some, some point. We are doing that now. Uh, but we just, we want really good installers. Um, so again, I, I got to stay focused on, you know, the industries that are really welcoming us with open arms. But we know that there's so many other things to come. We, we know that. Jason, kind of adding on to that, I wanted to ask you about other applications that are either you're either currently using Mega Slab in besides, you know, slabs. Uh, is there anything else you're using your technology in, or are there any other applications in the future that you can talk about? Yeah. Um, well, let me let me explain the various slab types real quick that we do have down on the ground. Uh, we've gone from a we, we've got a four inch exterior pavement down up to a 24 inch ACI 318 mount foundation. Okay. And everything in between. Mm -hmm. um, so we've done exterior pavements. We've done interior slabs. We've done interior mat foundations so far. And through all the testing that we've done and the performance of mega slab, we know that, that we're eventually going to go vertical with it. Yeah. And we are working on a, a tilt panel version of Megaslab. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that industry reacts to it. You know, um, you know that industry is very busy right now. And not a lot of people want to slow down to think about a different way of building something. They just want to just churn and burn. But I'm hoping that we find someone that is really open to doing things a different way, still achieving an incredible result. Um, but we, we feel like we can do that by eliminating a, a large portion of rebar, making the panels thinner, uh, which will make them lighter. And uh, I don't know if you've seen my 50 cal video, but bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have seen. Uh, do you have more than one out, or is it just the one? But yeah, I saw it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I will, I will put a link in the description of this episode because everyone needs to watch that video. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I, th I think, you know, I think vertical applications, uh, containment structures, walls, uh, we've done DIN 1048 testing uh, to try to push water through Megaslab and, and it's impermeable. So there's some, there's some benefits there as well. I envision this, uh, you, with your crew of guys, you probably already thought of this, but when you're talking about eliminating rebar, uh, reducing thickness and waterproofing, shotcrete comes to my mind. Uh, I, don't know if it, I don't know if that's something that you guys have thought about or if that's come up, but that's, that seems like a perfect fit. If you're going to reduce the thickness of, of concrete, eliminate the rebar, shotcrete's full of rebar, and they're all the time talking about waterproofing. 
I don't know. That was an idea I had. Yeah, it's it's one more industry that that I think ultimately uh, will gain some market share in. That's great. Uh, one more part of the technology in this, uh, you know, you start hearing about people that are doing jointless concrete, and the first thing a lot of us think is, oh, it must be full of fibers. And when I was watching the video of that sidewalk, I was looking for fibers. I was trying to say, well, this thing has to be loaded with it, so I, I should probably see a few. And there was nothing. It was pretty smooth uh but i gotta know uh talk to me about what kind of fibers you've got going in this thing we always use fiber uh we we just we want the fiber to be able to finish well so that you're you're not seeing it at the surface right uh and we've been we've been able to do that sometimes uh depending on when the broom texture is applied it may pull some to the surface but those wear off uh, with the macro synthetics that we use so we've used macro synthetics. We've also used steel fibers, um, and we have our own. Um, and we understand a lot about fibers, you know. And this this really goes back to a lot of testing and validation of performance for for a long time. And it's still the case with us. You you have a 1609 uh, test that gives you the the post crack you know residual strength of your fiber. Um, there's also some other tests that are that'll be coming out soon that that can really dial in and help you understand how do those fibers help control cracking right uh, because you're not always taking a slab or a beam, a beam and bending it right sometimes things are just trying to come apart this way through tinsel so you know we we know a lot about fibers um, we've tested a boatload of them in different blends different lengths different textures, different types. So yeah, I think that gives us another advantage. But again, we're, we went down the rabbit hole of trying to perfect each individual component and how they work together as a system and a process. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, hey, we can't let you out of here without asking you the one question that everybody wants to hear. It's the one thing we've asked every guest that's on here. And that is, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen on a job site? Oh, I got one for you, and we'll we'll try to keep it PG. Yeah, so this one's this one's pretty funny. Um, so going back to work on the condo right out of Southern Miss, I'm down the Gulf Coast, and you know condos, and th these things were like 21, 22 stories up, uh, and you've got workers just scattered all over the floors, right, all the way up, and uh, I don't know where they staged all the porta johns, but this poor guy had to use the bathroom. All right. Had to. So one of the superintendents turns to the corner. He's doing his checks, and he sees this guy with his back half shoved into the trash chute. Okay. And the guy got startled, so he tried to wipe real quick, and he grabbed the closest thing that he could, which was a handful of insulation. Oh. Oh, my. Damn. So that is a man's man. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Well, that's human waste story number three for the podcast. <laughs> that's a good one. That's, that's good. a good one. That's in the running. That's in the top five anyway. <laughs> oh How was that, Paul? <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares. I just <laughs> never gonna look at a piece of Owen's Corning again. <laughs> the same way again. 
<laughs> I'm never going to complain about the one plot yeah, that yeah. you get stuck <laughs> with in some of these places. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just not insulation. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot to take apart. The guy doing the business in the trash chute, uh, somebody catching him, and then he just decides to wipe with insulation. I don't know what he had planned to wipe with before, but... Uh, hold on, I'm, I'm kind of glad we're dissecting this story. Hang on, I got thoughts. <laughs> if it was that severe that you had to go down a trash chute, like, I don't care who walks up on me. Yeah. Like, we're not stopping this thing. Like, it, it's on like Donkey Kong. There's, <laughs> the train's left the stage here. You ain't... <laughs> 100%. Yeah, you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Well, Jason, we appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, lo- love what you're doing out there. Hey, we want to su- support you. This is our way of doing that. You're teaching us stuff. We're getting to promote Mega Slab. I love seeing your guys out there fighting the fight, uh, letting know every- that asphalt sucks. And <laughs> yes. We're going <laughs> to keep making concrete uh, better and better. Uh, really appreciate you coming on here, man. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, guys. All right, man. Take care, Jason. Take care, brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. One final thanks to Jason. Uh, had a great time talking to him about his mega slab system and product, and I uh, hope to have him on the podcast again further down the road so he can tell us about more great projects that he's been on and uh, some great examples of applications that they have in the pipeline that we can look forward to in the future. In the meantime, look us up on social media. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend about us as we continue to grow this podcast and bring you more fantastic guests like Jason from all around the industry. But until next time, we'll see you later. Y'all be good.